Welcome to Your Career Podcast, the podcast that helps to ensure your career success. To start getting on track with your career, download my free career goals calendar from thecareersacademy.online. My goals calendar includes a smart goals template and a weekly tasks sheet that will ensure step-by-step you get closer to reaching your career goals. So download my goals calendar today at thecareersacademy.online. Now on with the show. Welcome to Jane Jackson Careers, a podcast that takes your career to the next level. Here's your host, Jane Jackson, author of Amazon Careers bestseller, Navigating Career Crossroads. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Jane Jackson Careers. There are over 180,000 book titles to choose, so give it a go and get your free audiobook today from audibletrial.com forward slash Jane Jackson Careers. Well, hello and welcome back to my careers podcast, where I interview successful professionals who have made fascinating career changes. Now, today I have the pleasure of interviewing the wonderful Jane Anderson. Jane is a communication expert with over 10 years experience in personal branding and LinkedIn profile development. She has worked with over 13,000 people on having more impact and more influence in their businesses and careers. Her clients include Virgin Australia, Lego, IKEA, Rio. Tinto and Origin Energy. She's been featured in Business Insider, Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, The Courier Mail and Marie Claire magazine. She was nominated for the Telstra Women's Business Awards for 2014 and is the author of three books, including Connect, How to Leverage Your LinkedIn Profile for Business Growth and Lead Generation in Less Than Seven Minutes a Day. Now, I think we're going to have a great chat because Jane's had an amazing career journey. So let's welcome Jane to the show. Good morning, Jane. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jane. It's such a pleasure. You're doing amazing work, so I feel very privileged to be on your podcast. Oh, well, I think it's a mutual admiration society here, <laughs> so I, I'm just thrilled to find out more about you as well. And so, how about, to kick us off, can you tell mm. us a little bit about your early days and your career aspirations when you were in your teens or as a little girl? Mm. Yeah, this is an interesting question. So when I was growing up, I grew up in Lismore in northern New South Wales. So I grew up, my family were fairly traditional type of family. So my dad was an accountant and my mum was a stay-at-home mum. But in terms of the environment where I lived, I grew up with a lot of hippies and (laughs) all those types of, you know, people who lived in communes and trees and all that (laughs) sort of thing. It was a very, you know, free-spirited type of place. And the interesting thing was, was that it was the kind of place where people really did not care what part of town you lived in or what type of car you drove or so you know there were families who wealthy kids were friends with kids who were perhaps not as wealthy or I had went to school with such a broad range of people from that were indigenous kids through to Italian immigrants to all sorts of things so I grew up around a really broad range of people I have two sisters 
And my mum's a fairly uh, strong-minded kind of person and my dad's incredibly kind and compassionate. But what I used to do, I used to follow my dad around everywhere. I'd dress up in his work clothes. I'd carry his briefcase around everywhere. (laughs) And from really young, I always remember having a real fascination with people's jobs. And I used to go to with my grandfather was a pastry chef. And I used to go to the bakery with him when I would get up at one o'clock in the morning. I'd sleep over at my grandparents. And of course, I just wanted to go and play with the cash register and play shops. But I'd always wanted to work. I always found work really interesting. And then into my teens, I found I was reasonably good at business subjects. And again, it sort of constantly had this theme of work and business and how people worked with that. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there there was an early fascination for all things to do with all types of careers, really. And Mm. it sounds like you had a really interesting and very loving early childhood as well. Now, I've been stalking you on LinkedIn a bit. (laughs) And of course, I mean, that's one of the best places to find out about people. And I've noticed that you've got a really interesting early career history in retail and sales management and working for the Queensland government. Can you tell us a little bit about how your career path path progressed in the early days. Mm. So I worked for the Mathers family and while I was at school, for those who might not be familiar with them, they had a range of shoe stores across Australia. And Sir Robert Mathers, who was the person who built that business, and his family had three daughters. And so I worked on Sir Robert and the Mathers brand. And that was while I was in school when I was 14 years old. And then when I did university and I studied a marketing degree, I actually didn't really enjoy HR, but I just went with a course that I found really interesting. I liked it. It was fun. So I didn't really necessarily have a big intention of maybe going into marketing. I was always interested in it. But something that had a big impact on me later when I was in grade 12, I did work experience at the hospital. So I did two weeks work experience in the x-ray unit. And I got to do all these really fascinating things. Like I was able to be dressed up in the lead suit and watch operations and blood fly everywhere. (laughs) I don't think they'd let you do it now. But What I learned in that two weeks, because I was interested in going, I wanted to be a radiographer, but I realized I wasn't that great at science. But the insight I had was that I really enjoyed helping people. And it wasn't till the day that I came across this woman and her, her husband. Her husband was having a CT scan and he was about to be told that he had prostate cancer and his wife was very upset about how unwell he was. And I realized in that moment that actually... I'm not sure that I'm very good at helping people when they're at a really traumatic time in their life. I think I'm better off at helping them when they're okay and they just need to get better. (laughs) So I decided not to do that and took the path of business. So as a result, I worked with the Mavers family, which was an incredibly personal branded business. And I saw the connection that people had with the family. People would come in with stories about times where they had been at an event with Sir Robert and the family or at dinner. And the amount of people that came in with their stories and connection with the family was incredible. And then I went on to work for Queensland Government in HR in Western Queensland. So I was based in Toowoomba, covered the area from Thargaminda, Charleville, right across to Harvey Bay, Maryborough. And I started to work more with coaching managers and helping people influence and persuade, particularly on recruitment panels. I also trained a lot of panels in how to recruit. So I was sort of coming both sides. But when I came back to Brisbane, I got divorced, which was a significant moment for me because I realized that actually that wasn't the place for me. I needed to come back to Brisbane. And when I came back, 
I didn't have a job. So, you know, here I was helping all these other people, but now I was stuck. But I went on to work for Tony Ferguson, the weight loss company. So I set up his corporate sales division. And again, it was just this another connection with a personal brand. And he still does. He has incredible authenticity about him. And I used to spend a lot of time with Tony. And what I found was that people, again, that personal connection with him was extraordinary. And working with him and Terry White and the value of a personal brand and the name used in a business name just created a different level of connection than I'd ever seen in other businesses before. That's amazing. With the changes that you've had and then having like a personal loss with the divorce and then rebuilding your life again, it sounds like you're a very resilient person as well. And I do like it that you mentioned that personal brand is so important because as soon as you've got your own personal brand and people can connect with you, that's when people get to know, like and trust you so much, Mm. isn't it? That's right. Yeah. And so tell me from there, and I know jumping ahead a few years, Mm. you are now an entrepreneur, you're a speaker, you're an author. Tell me the middle bits, you know, how did you bridge that gap between being in HR and then joining Tony Ferguson and actually learning all about building brands and sales and promotion and helping people as well into your own business? What triggered that? Yeah. So I always knew that I would go out on my own at some stage. I thought I would become a coach. I delivered coaching internally and I was the learning and development manager for Super Retail Group. So Super Cheap Auto, BCF, Gold Cross Cycles. So I was part of the executive coaching program there. And that was really what I wanted to do and ended up I started off having clients during a transition period. So I worked about 100 hours a week in that transition where I was doing my job plus trying to build up my clientele on the side and eventually got to a point where I had enough clients. So my real start was as a career counsellor. So I still am a member of the CDAA, Career Development Association, and I started writing resumes. I started writing LinkedIn profiles because back in 2009, I couldn't find someone who could write LinkedIn profiles because they didn't understand understand that I knew it had a whole lot of technical back end around the algorithms and things like that but I couldn't get anyone to write them I found that they were copy and pasting content from resumes and they weren't used as a marketing document so as a result I thought okay well it looks like I've got to learn this so I learned from someone in the US on how to get that balance right or how to get all the algorithm to work so combining the technical aspects combined with the you know like a techie back end and a sexy front end, trying to get those two pieces to work together. So I started writing them for job seekers. But we had a significant change in Queensland in 2012. And as you know, we had about 17,000 people were made redundant from the public service. And even for myself, that was about the public service was about 80% of my clientele at the time. But what I started to notice was that what people actually need help with, I sent a lot of those people up as solopreneurs. I did a lot of outplacement work and LinkedIn was the fastest way to get traction. So I realized pretty quickly that actually I don't think my skill set is necessarily best as a career counselor. I can still do that, but I realized that I had the ability to help people set up as entrepreneurs. So by 2020, 50% of the workforce in the US are going to be self-employed and I could see that pattern coming here. So I thought, actually, I need to help people do that. And that was how I made the transition. Entrepreneurship these days, and we both work in the career space, Mm. and I assist a lot of people thinking about what should I do next in the next phase of my career if they've gone through redundancy as well. And I've noticed, as obviously you have too, 
more and more people are thinking about self-employment, going into entrepreneurship, and they're a little bit afraid and they don't know what to do. So I think mm. the service now that you provide to encourage people to do that and how to become successful will be very much in demand, not even now, but further into the future too. And I've noticed, yes, there is such a trend now of people actually biting the bullet and thinking, hey, can I become an entrepreneur? Mm. And I think that must be now. So Jane Anderson, your business. Tell me mm. about all the services that you provide. Okay. So I tend to do a lot of speaking. So I speak at conferences and events and I run workshops, particularly on LinkedIn for lead generation for sales teams or consulting firms. I do a lot of presentation skills training. So helping people who are experts in their field position and market themselves through their speaking or presenting. And I do a lot of mentoring for thought leaders. So I'm a mentor on Thought Leaders Business School. So there are about 150 of us who are experts in our field. That was developed by a guy called Matt Church. So he's developed at Thought Leaders Business School and has been doing it for about 30 years. So that's incredibly rewarding. But most of my time now is spent working with people who really are those experts in their field. So to give you an example at the moment, particularly with academics and researchers, if you look at the innovation agenda that Malcolm Turnbull has in Australia at the moment, the challenge for research and institutes is that the government just doesn't have the money to help them on these research projects. So they're being forced to access industry and create collaborations and those types of things. The challenge for researchers is that they're generally a little bit shy and they've got a concern about their research being um, picked at or that people are criticising it. But they have to go and market themselves. They now are in this situation where if they don't, they simply don't have work to do. They don't have a job. They completely make themselves redundant. So at the moment I'm working with those types of institutes, particularly using LinkedIn to do that. Or I'm about to go up to the Philippines a little bit later this year. I'm working with the International Rice Research Institute up there. Bill Gates donates a lot of his money to them, but they need to grow even further. So I'm helping them with their presentations so that they can access more donor funding and those types of things. Yeah, so mostly people who are really good, really, really good at what they do. They're just not very good at selling themselves. I think so many professionals, especially if they're very, very competent, they're so busy you know, head down, getting mm. the job done, becoming technically, well, really subject matter experts. The thought of promoting themselves is horrifying. Yes. <laughs> because they don't like speaking about themselves. And I can relate so much because just recently I've had a couple of clients who it's, oh, Jane, I don't want to sell myself. Yes. I don't want to put myself out there. And I yeah. tell them, if you don't do it, who's going to who's do, going it? To do it? That's And right. I think it's a matter of confidence. And also it's not big noting it's just no. stating facts that's yes. the important thing and you know i'm really impressed you've been the author you are the author of three books mm. and these ones i find really interesting connect how to leverage your linkedin profile for business growth and the other one lead generation in less than seven minutes a day now those books are going to be so helpful to so many people can you tell us a little bit about those two books yeah, so one is the LinkedIn one, which is that one's actually all about lead generation through LinkedIn. So social media has leveled the playing field. So if you're a solopreneur, you can access people overseas, you know, like there's so many opportunities to do that now. It's not just a locally based thing and LinkedIn allows you to do that. So that book is really about, I've got a bit of a productivity obsession, I have to admit. So that's why it's got the seven minutes a day on it because 
I think people think I've got to get in LinkedIn. It's this massive beast of a thing. I don't know how to create or generate leads out of it. How do I access people who want my services? And based on my experience, you can get it down to seven minutes a day. That's all I spend on it. And for those, you know, even for a thought leader or an expert in their field, we can build their business to around a $360,000 turnover just purely off LinkedIn without even touching a website yet. So it's a powerful, powerful tool. So it teaches you how to build your profile, how to access leads, and then how to create sales conversations from that. So that's that one. The other one is impact, which is the personal branding one. And that's a mix of for job seekers as well as people who are experts in their field and some general advice on how to promote and market yourself without sounding like you're cocky or arrogant or chest beating or you know I'm actually an introvert and I was forced to do this as a result of you know having to start my life again I'm not naturally I think people think I'm a happy to be a center of attention kind of person and I'm actually not it just take a took a long time for me to build up the confidence and the courage to do that so all the things that I learned and that I help people with now are all in that book as well Oh, wonderful. Well, I can highly recommend those books. What I'm going to do is I'm going to add this information into my show notes on janejacksoncoach.com so everyone has got the list of your books and where to reach you as well. But back to you, Jane. Yes. So can you tell me what would you say are the top three tips for success for someone thinking about going into entrepreneurship? Okay, three tips for success. The first one is, is don't jump too quickly. So my suggestion is, is if you can stay in a job while you're building it, because we know that the failure rate is very high for small businesses. So the first one is, is start while you're paid and so that you still have an income while you're making mistakes. (laughs) Because when you're out in your business, if you're making mistakes, you simply don't have an income. So the thing that makes me nervous is when people go, I resigned yesterday, I'm starting my new business today. (laughs) So be gentle, take your time, but start with a safe safety net. The second one I would say is you want to learn how to get really productive. When you go into your own business, you simply don't have the IT department, you don't have a secretary, you don't have access to all these resources. So you have to do a lot of things yourself. My suggestion is is get super productive and learn how to delegate things. So you can learn how to access sites like, you know, Fiverr and Odesk and Elance and where you can get support to do that. And the third thing I would say is get a mentor. And I don't mean a mentor that's someone or even, you know, I'd say a lot of people that go and get business coaches and mentors, but it'll be somebody who they know that isn't sort of related. They'll just kind of work with what they think. My advice is people get coaching or mentoring from people who have far too generic experience and don't understand the exact industry that you're going in. So find the mentor who has trod the path that you're trying to tread. So if you want to go into, I had someone ask me the other day about, they've got a massage business and they asked me to coach them and I said, look, I actually haven't had a massage business before. I can help you with a few things, but I'd prefer to see you work with someone who is an expert in building massage businesses. So I found him the right person to go and work with. So do your research. A mentor will save you so much time, so much money and so much stress. (laughs) I 100% agree. I, I have a mentor and there are times when you just think, 
oh, you know, there's so much to do. And when you do yes. run your own business, it's never ending. And mm. something I've had to learn is how to switch off. Right. Otherwise, I could work straight through a weekend. Yes. And yes. because, you know, when you love what you do, you don't even notice that you're working because no. it doesn't feel like working. So those are really valuable tips. One, don't jump in too quickly. Make sure you've got an alternative income stream. Mm. Two is get productive and outsource and learn to delegate. Otherwise, you'll get really burnt out, won't you? Yes. And then three is get a mentor in your area that you mm. want to develop. And I think those are really valuable pieces of advice. So, Jane, what's happening for you and your business over the next 12 to 18 months? Mm. So I'm working on a new project at the moment. I'm act- It's currently we're about to go into a long weekend and I love all the long weekends in the first half of the year or the public holidays because that's when I get all my writing done. So I'm about to start working on a new book and project called Captivate and it's about how to influence and lead in a noisy world. You know, we're in the amount of information that people are exposed to over meetings and, you know, death by PowerPoint and all those types of things. So I'm about to write this book, which is kind of like the overarching piece that sits above all my work, which is about helping people captivate, inspire and engage people, whether they're speaking, whether they're writing blogs, whether they have their own business, whether they're a leader, an executive, if they've got to speak at conferences or if they're simply just running meetings. So how to captivate, like not just engage people, but really captivate them so they go, wow, this is amazing. I don't even feel like I'm working. This is incredible. So that's the project I'm working on. It will probably be out by mid next year. Okay, I'm going to look out for that one. I want the first copy that comes comes into print. I definitely want that. Sounds fantastic. And also, so as an author, just one little question, because I've written one book, you've written three, and Uh now you're going into your fourth one. How do you prioritize so that you just get it done because sitting down and writing it requires a lot of commitment and dedication and organizing and preventing procrastination and so what's your little tip there Mm, well the first tip is you've got to know I think whether you're a writer who speaks or you're a speaker who writes so when you work in a way that is against your natural style it takes longer So I'm a speaker who writes. I'm not a writer who speaks. And I actually find it very difficult to sit down for long periods. So at one point I had a writing coach and the problem was that we didn't start writing until three weeks into the coaching. I was like, are we going to start writing yet? So the problem with writing coaches is that they love to write. I don't enjoy writing at all, despite writing three in the last 18 months. So my suggestion is, is first of all, understand your natural style. If you naturally are a writer, then sit down, glue yourself to that chair and allocate your time. So you can either go an hour a day and get up early. I did that with my first book. But now I've learned that the way that I do it is so I capture all my thinking. I use a few tools that I have to unpack all my thinking. I go and hide in a hotel for four days. (laughs) I turn everything off. And I speak all my content. And so all that content is transcribed and I work with an editor. So I go through it, then it gets edited, and then the process starts to come together. But I found that if I try to sit down and write, the process takes me about three times as long. And it's because I'm not naturally a writer. 
Mm, yeah, mm. That's valuable advice as well. I know I had to set myself a target of a thousand words a day. And if you get really specific as to exactly what output you need, yeah. then it actually gets done. Because for years and years, I've wanted to write this children's book. Oh, okay. Have I done anything about it? No, because it's been very vague. But when right. I wanted to write a book about careers and career transition, I thought, really, I want to get this done by the end of the year. In order mm. to kick it off, I need to sit down and do this. So I had a friend who was lovely. She would text me every day and say, Jane, once you get to 10,000 words, a bottle of Verve Clicquot. And I thought, oh, OK, I will. Oh, how nice is that? What a great friend. Oh, I love her. She's great. But because of all the text messages and when I'd see her, she'd look at me, OK, how many words? And having someone help help you to stay accountable. I, yes. I found that was really valuable as well. Yeah, accountability buddies, if you can find one and even someone else who's writing at the same time, create a bit of competition. That keeps you going. That's a great idea. Yeah, well, I can't wait for Captivate How to Influence and Lead in a Noisy World comes out. What a great title. It is a noisy world. There's so much. And, and you know, that we almost have too much information coming at us all the time that sometimes you think, OK, I want to get this message across, but people don't hear it because they're being bombarded with so much. So I think I'm going to be your first reader of this book, and I can't wait for it to come out. And so, Jane, if people want to find out more about you or book you for speaking gigs and basically, you know, have you perhaps even coached them, where mm -hmm. can they find you? Yeah, so my website is www.jane-anderson.com or .com.au, either of those. And all the information's there. Mm -hmm. Or even LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great and they'll find me there. Well, you are the LinkedIn queen. I think if they can't <laughs> find you there, there'd be something wrong. <laughs> that's, I hope they can find me there. <laughs> I mean, that's the first place where I found you a is while it? ago as well. So it's like, oh, who is this woman? Wow, what a great profile. I must talk to her on the podcast. It's such a pleasure for me to talk to you, Jane. I'll have all of the information and the links to Jane's website as well as the list of her books on my show notes on janejacksoncoach.com and I hope that you'll be willing to come back onto the show again Jane oh, when Captivate so. is published because I'd love to hear more about it and your whole journey of writing that book too. Thank you I'd be delighted thank you so much for having me. Oh okay it's been such a pleasure and thanks for sharing your story of the early days it's been really interesting thanks Jane talk thank to you, you again soon bye. Thanks, thanks Jane bye. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Jane Jackson Careers. There are over 180,000 book titles to choose, so give it a go and get your free audiobook today from audibletrial.com forward slash Jane Jackson Careers. You've been listening to Jane Jackson Careers. Sign up to receive regular career advice at janejacksoncoach.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Your Career Podcast, I invite you to check out my career success program at 
thecareersacademy.online. The Career Success Program is the original program that uniquely provides 24-7 on-demand career support and fortnightly live career coaching sessions to keep you on track to reach your career goals. It is the essential resource for anyone who wants to manage their career effectively, make a career change and land the job they'll love. Whether you're in exploration mode or seeking a new career direction and need help to make it a reality, the Career Success Program is for you. Not only do you get access to my step-by-step roadmap to navigate your career crossroads, my extensive training library and exclusive members-only discounts and tools, you'll also become part of my supportive community of professionals who will help you with feedback, encouragement and advice. All this and more makes the Career Success Program the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow their career. Check it out and join me at thecareersacademy.online.